Before we go to the message this morning, I want you to pray with me. This is a dangerous mess message. And I'm not being facetious, I'm not laughing about it. It's a, this is a dangerous message. This is the type of message that makes the enemy mad. It's the type of message that makes the enemy incensed. He does not want us to realize that he is at work. God always wants us to realize that he is at work. Satan doesn't want you to know that he is at work because he is always under the radar. He is always doing something sneaky. And he has what Jesus said, his initiative is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And there's not one single person, older, middle-aged, young, child, baby, that he would not attempt to coerce, harm, do something that would be hazardous, something that would be potentially fatal because he wants to kill us. So this morning, I'm going to be finishing up my series on why are you so fearful. And before I get there, I want the body of Christ to be praying with me. Those who know how to pray, those who know how to call upon the name of Jesus, those who have eyes that are not just in the front of your head, but also in the back of your head spiritually, those of you who have ears to hear that are not just plastered on the sides of your head, not just for holding an earring, but an ear that is in tune with the Word of God. We want to intercede against the powers of darkness. Because the powers of darkness, I, I don't want to shake up the church here, but you know the devil comes to church every Sunday. His demons, they come to church, churches everywhere. Oftentimes we don't even know it as believers, but just as you might bring in to your house or to the building some mud or whatever that's on your shoe that you were not aware of, the spirits of the enemy that are assigned to work on all of us, sometimes they're attached to you. doesn't mean you're possessed, but they're attached to you. You have possibly seen it through your attitude, through remarks that you've made, words that you've stated, thoughts that have been dark, thoughts that have been vulgar. And sometimes we just shove it off. But you see, there's a plan that the enemy has to attach itself to all of us. It's a good place for an amen. amen. Because there's truth in what I'm saying. 
I'm going to pray for a cleansing right now in the name of Jesus. I start from this person here to the rest of this body. Hallelujah. I need you to pray. I need you to be in agreement with me. Hallelujah. Be in agreement with me. Hallelujah. Father God, we come to you this day, oh merciful God, wonderful Father. We thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice of your Son. We thank you, Lord, that your Son came to this place, oh Lord, to become a sacrifice, to become the Lamb of God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood, for it is by your blood that our sins have been washed away. It is by your blood that we have the wonderful working power of, Lord, of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We thank you for the power of the blood of Christ. I thank you, Lord, that at the name of Jesus, that every knee shall bow, that every tongue shall confess that you are Lord. I thank you that today, almighty God, as we confess that you are Lord, you are the Christ, Hallelujah, that the enemy right now is unhappy with us. The enemy would want to steal, kill, and destroy. But Lord, we are saying in the name of Christ, I will shrug off every attachment that the enemy has found. Every area of allurement that he has entered in in the name of Jesus we relinquish every hold that he might have upon us. Hallelujah. Hold that we know about, the hold that we don't know about. Yes. Lord, we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against powers. Yes. It's against principalities. Yes, Lord. Now, Lord, I pray that you would lead us and direct us. May we be free and whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Hallelujah. And everyone said, Amen. 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 So as we continue our thoughts from the last few weeks, and uh, th thank you, Mike and Karen, for, for your words, but what's more important is that there's a testimony that's attached to the message. A testimony that says that my God is alive and well. My God is my intercessor. I don't have to be in fear because he has set me free from fear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So as we look at uh, today's message, it is why are you so fearful is the fourth part, but it also has a separate name. And the separate name is this, knowing your mission. Knowing your mission. Now when we were finishing up with chapter 3 or chapter 5 last week, the first portion of chapter 5 that is, we, we know just, I won't go into a, a long uh, review of what we've already went over, but we know that a great movement of God is taking place and that movement of God is Jesus preaching, he is teaching, he is teaching basically through parables and he is healing the sick. He is doing a great work. The crowds are so extensive that they've backed him up off the shore into a boat. And now he is standing with the pulpit, being his, the boat of one of the disciples. 
and he is preaching. At the end of the day, he informs his disciples, we are leaving this meeting, and we're going to go across the Sea of Galilee. It's going to be about five miles. We know the rest of the story. When they got out there in the boat at night, at nighttime, that a great storm began to overwhelm them. And as it says in Matthew, it uses the word tempest. A tempest took place. The word tempest in Greek is seismos. And seismos, from where we get seismic, became a powerful, powerful storm. That word's only used four times altogether in the New Testament. And it describes seismic events like Jesus dying, like Jesus being resurrected, like the tomb, the stone being moved from the tomb, the angels coming down. And so there was a seismic event. And as we were sharing, as I was sharing actually with you, that we many believe, and I'm one of them, that this storm was not an any old storm, a common storm, even though they arise quickly on the Sea of Galilee, this was a storm of seismic nature that was sent by Satan. He is able to shake your world. He is able to shake the world, period. If we were not here as the remnant, our world would be in total be a total catastrophe. We are a buffer. We are a covering. And so now Jesus, he is in the boat. He is awakened, somehow sleeping through a seismic storm. He gets up all wet, the wind blowing, howling, the disciples fearful of death, and he says, peace, be still. We need his words to resonate in our ears and in our hearts. Whatever storm that you are going through, whether it is physical, whether it is family, whether it is financial, no matter what that storm is, and yes, sometimes you get bad news from the doctor. Sometimes you get a bad diagnosis. But you are still called to be an overcomer. No matter what the crisis may be, no matter what the situation may be, you are called to be an overcoming believer. Hallelujah. Jesus rebukes the weather but he does more than that. He rebukes the cause of the weather, the one who sent that weather. Why did Satan send that storm? To keep him from going to his mission. His mission was he crossed the sea. He got to a place called the Gadarenes. He stepped out of the boat. doesn't say anything about the disciples stepping out of the boat. It only talks about him stepping out of the boat. He steps out of the boat and who runs to hear him, who runs to see him, who runs to talk to him is a man who is possessed by a foul spirit. But when truth be known, he is actually filled with thousands of demons. Yeah. 
And when it was asked by Jesus, what is your name? The demons responded by saying, legion. If that is significant, or if it's even close to what a Roman legion is, that's about 6,000 soldiers, or 6,000 demons. This man was a testimony to the power of demons. As he ran hither and thither through the cemetery, that was his abode, making his way to the tombs, running naked. He was being cut all the time. He was cutting himself. They tried to put chains on him. He would break the chains. They could not bind him. They heard him screaming all times of the night and day. This man was possessed. Jesus stepped out of the boat, and he rebuked the spirit, and just like that, the spirit left. Out of the body of the man. But it was still present. Many thousands of them. And they begged him, can we go into this herd of swine of about 2,000? He allowed them to do so. They immediately went crazy, ran over the ledge, and drowned. Now, we finished the story, but the story really isn't finished. There's some things that we need to really explore and to know. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 29, I'll give you a reminder. In fact, three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, record this story. They all add just a little bit. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 29, it says, And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus? Have you come here to torment us? Listen to this. Have you come here to torment us before our time? Or before the time? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Mark chapter 5, where we were at in the Gospel of Mark, it says, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. In the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 8, verse 31, it says, And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Let me just share with you a thought, because we want to know what was it that the demons were concerned about? What were they alluding to? What were they referring to? What were they so fearful of? And the answer is very, very simple. And that was, they knew their destiny. And their thinking is now my destiny. They knew what was going to be happening to them someday. For a while now, they have been just skating, skating along. They've just been possessing this poor man, tormenting the whole town, doing whatever they wanted to do that was foul, commanding this man to do whatever was foul, a good question would be, what did he do to allow this to happen, to have this invasion of the Spirit? We don't know, so we won't go into that. But what I can tell you is, the demons know what's going to be happening to them. And before the time means they are going to be punished. 
before the time really means that they will be cast, casted into a bottomless pit. Let me read for you in Revelation chapter 20, almost the end of the Bible. And we read in chapter 20, verse 1 through 3. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the, the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. The word abyssos is where we get the word abyss. In the Greek, it's abyssos. What it means is what we just read. Bottomless, the abyss, immeasurable depth. It means a deep gulf, a chasm, the lowest portions, parts of the earth. What they are fearful of, that it is our time. Our time is to be sent, not into a herd of swine, but in this bottomless pit. And they all say the same thing, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and not only there, but in other areas, other stories of the Bible. Are you here to torment me? Are you here to torment us? They know their destiny. One thing you can say about these demons, they know their eschatology. Eschatology is the study of end times. They know the end times. They not only know about the end times, they know how they will be affected. Here's my thought to you today. They possibly know about their end times better than you know about your end times. As people of God, we should know about the end times. As people of God, we should know what our future is. Oh, I love telling people, you know... I read the last page of the Bible, and we went. But that does not excuse us from having an eschatology, from knowing what's going to happen during the end times. And there was more at stake here than just the deliverance of the man. Jesus was on a mission, taking the disciples with him, and there was a mission, a purpose. Those of you who are military background, it's crucial to have a mission that is well-defined. All the parameters, all of the strategy to allow this mission to be accomplished, you look at it from every direction. If you're a chess player, you look at all the moves that you possibly can. You're thinking about moves ahead. You want to win. 
Jesus went with his disciples to the Gadarenes to, one, deliver this poor, wretched man. We all know the song Amazing Grace that saved a wretch like me. Well, if there's ever been a man who was a wretch, it was the man from the Gadarenes. Think of living in his shoes. In fact, he didn't wear shoes. But think about living in his life. But hallelujah, Jesus went and delivered him. But we can gain more from the story. And that is from the very words spoken by the demons inside. And the demons inside were worried that their time had come early. You see, we must be about the Father's business because the time could come sooner than what we think. And here you have a good hold upon my, my objective. We need to be busy. We need to be on the mission. There are people who are perishing. People who are dying. People who need to hear about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes you are the only one. It's not some great evangelist, some pastor, preacher. You may be the only source of the gospel they will ever, ever have. You have an inroad into their lives. These days that we live in, as far as I'm concerned, of having been a Christian for decades, I really believe with all of my heart, these are the last days. I judge that from the condition of our society. It is quickly, and quickly, I mean quickly, taking on new urgency. You might have heard just recently, like in last week, the Boy Scouts of America have declared a Chapter 11 bankruptcy. This grand old institution. You know, so many have profited just mentally, spiritually, emotionally by having been a Boy Scout. There are many of our greatest politicians, Supreme Court justices, generals, who were Eagle Scouts. They gained much. The reason the Scout program is in jeopardy is because of sexual abuse of young Scouts by those who would be either scoutmasters or those who were helping. But you see, that is the society that we are living in. I could give you example after example after example, and all we would do is get depressed of the evil that has taken place. In fact, right now, someplace in America... I'm going to say many places, this very second, there is some sort of abuse that is taking place. 
It is common to who we are, unfortunately. It's not like abuse has never been here, but we are seeing more and more a turning from the things of righteousness to the things of darkness. Would you agree with me? It's so plain to see. It's not just some preacher's tool to get someone to accept the Lord. But on the other hand, people need to accept the Lord. This is a dangerous time that we live in. And God is going to say at some point, now. I don't know if that's the word. But he's going to say now. Charge. They already know the plan. They went over it many times. They just don't know the timing of the plan. I'm talking about in heaven. And there is going to be the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. Dragging us out of this mess. Taking us out of this sinful environment. Unholy environment. And we will be like him. And when all that takes place, however... All hell is going to break loose upon this earth. We all have our eschatology. Is Jesus going to come before the tribulation? Tribulation is seven years. It's divided three and a half and three and a half with its, with its intensity. The first three and a half is more man-made intensity. The second and a half is more God intensity. We are looking at a destruction of the earth. We are looking at an antichrist. We are looking at the number 666. We are looking at the inability to buy, sell, or trade when that happens. So I don't know. I have my feelings. I believe the tribulation will follow the rapture. I believe in a rapture. What I believe in, Jesus is coming. Undebatable. The timing, none of us are sure. But let me tell you, he is coming beyond a shadow of a doubt. There will be a tribulation. It will be the worst thing to ever hit this world the world cannot even begin to think or imagine. And all of these demons, the demons we read about in Mark chapter 5, oh, and other many places in the Bible, sometimes it was at the synagogue. I told you, Satan goes to church, and he goes to synagogue. And there were times even in the synagogue, Jesus would enter into the synagogue to speak, to teach, and only to discover that there was someone there who was possessed, and he would rebuke him. It's funny. Jesus is not funny. It's just, it's just a, a wow thing. Jesus is on the boat. He rebukes the storm. 
He gets to where he's going to go. He rebukes the demons. He does a lot of rebuking. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, greater things you will do than what he's done. I, I can't really truly imagine that. I cannot even begin to imagine doing anything greater than Christ has ever done. But I don't want to call him a liar. Come on, somebody. We're not going to accuse him of not saying the truth to us. Were you just putting us on? Is that power really available to us? Because then the first thing we all think of, well, it's going to have to be brother so-and-so because I ain't that holy. But Jesus doesn't look at all of us the way we look at all of us. But he does look for a willing vessel. I'm going to ask you right now, how many would raise your hand to say, Lord, what you see is what you get, but I'm willing. Bless the 38 of you. So now i got lots of reason to finish my message. I'm going to work on the other half. So what the demons are afraid of was being put into the bottomless pit. Again, the demons understood end times. They understood eschatology. They understand their eternity. What we have issues with in dealing with people is helping them to understand that they have an eternity. Many people have been, have been uh, well, they've listened to the enemy. And they begin to not believe in eternity, at least a godly eternity. But we have a godly eternity. I plan on spending my eternity, you plan on spending your eternity, forever and ever, as it says in the 23rd Psalm, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for a long time. Does it say that? It says forever. Forever and ever. Now we look at Revelation 9, chapter 1 through 11. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. This pit not only is incredibly deep, immeasurable, but there's a key to it. And he opened the bottomless pit. And by the way, this is to happen. It has not happened as of yet. You know what's exciting about the Bible? You can go from the front to the back and you can see the fulfillment of hundreds and hundreds of prophecies of what came to pass. What God said has came to pass. This has not come to pass, but it will come to pass eventually. Then the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit 
like the smoke of a great furnace. So in that pit, there is fire. In that pit, there is smoke. In that pit, there is brimstone. In that pit is darkness, loneliness. And for those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I am talking to the choir, but for those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that is their destination. Unless they ask Christ to forgive them of their sins and to come into their heart. No matter how nice they are, no matter how many children they've fed around the world, no matter how many good deeds they have done, none of that will take you to heaven. Again, I'm telling you something you already know. But what I'm trusting is that you will think of those you know who don't know that and will give you an urgency inside. Again, he opened up the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth. And to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. You have probably seen on television lately or you've seen online uh, in, in online news that there is a mass of locusts. They figure over a billion that's making its way in this world through various countries. Right now it's heading towards the Middle East. And it is just a cloud. Anything that is green is what they are looking for. And they will light upon it and devour it as they make their way. They've been through Africa, or in parts of Africa, and now they're going to other parts in Africa as well. And they have, they are simply bugs that are devouring the land. But let me tell you what. We read here in Revelation that demons have taken on the same shape and form, larger, more wild in its look, but they are getting ready to invade the land as soon as the key is in the lock, the door is opened up, and someone says, now out of here. Listen to what will happen. Turn out, or then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as the scorpions on the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass or the earth. Now that's kind of wild, isn't it? Since we have an epidemic right now of the grass being eaten, of the greenery being eaten, but in this case, it's not about the vegetation. It says, or any green thing, or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God upon their foreheads. I don't know exactly what this seal looks like. 
I will say that I have had one occasion, I've shared it with you, where a man born blind from death. Or, thank you. <laughs> Hopefully he's remedied that situation. Blind from birth. An, ex- an incredible Christian carries his Bibles to church. Isaiah's about like that because it's in Braille. And he carries a number of Bibles with him. Why, I don't know. I'm thinking, you need to, get, you need to know what the message is going to be a few days ahead of time so you know how many books to prepare to bring. But at the conclusion of a message that I had given many years ago as a very young preacher, he made his way up to me. I'm standing on the platform, and he made his way exactly to where I was at. He was pretty short, and he raised his hand high enough to put his hand right on my forehead. And he says, I see the seal of God. Now, I value that, but what I really value is for my God to see his seal upon my forehead. But nonetheless, this is what's going to happen, that those who do not have the seal of God will be victimized by these creatures. And so it says in verse 5, and they were not given the authority to the authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death but not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. You know what that tells me? They're going to try to commit suicide, but they just cannot do it. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates, like breastplates of iron, and the sound. The sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots, with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men for five months, and they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek, his name is Apollyon. Both names, by the way, mean destroyer. Back to now what the demons said about, are you here to torment me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says this. Listen to this. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. You know what that's talking about? These demons, these fallen angels were so corrupt, they were so evil, they were not even allowed to be on this earth. They even now are in this place of punishment. They're even now chained up. 
but there will be a time when they will be released. I'm not trying to make this a a good-feeling sermon, if you probably noticed already. But I am trying to share with you the truth of eternity, the truth of end times. If the enemy knows their end times, we should know our end times. If the fallen angels know their eschatology, we should know our eschatology. In fact, they're probably thrilled to death if you get a whole bunch of Christians, a whole bunch of different Christian denominations, and just have watch them arguing back and forth. He's coming before the tribulation. No, he's not. He's coming after tribulation. No, he's coming in the middle of the tribulation. He's coming. And the tribulation will happen. And then there will be a, a second coming. And then there will be a millennium, a thousand years. During that time, Satan will be bound, but then he will be loosed for a short while. And he will be on a tear. He'll be on a tear then. The great, great judgment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we read about the fact that these demons, they they know that they have but a short time. Now here's what I'm trying to get to you right now. This is going to be real easy to understand. You're going to get this. The demons in this world who are fallen angels, they know they have a short leash. They know that they have a short time to get as much accomplished as possible. What do they accomplish? Possessing people, bothering people, stealing, killing, destroying. They have a short time. We, as the children of God, need to know we have a short time. We have stuff to do. We have work to do. And I'm speaking as much to me and my message as hopefully you're receiving right now. Urgency. Urgency. We are caught up with so many things in this world. We're doing this, we're doing that. They're not bad things, but they take away from sometimes the most urgent thing. Do I have an amen? Yes, amen. Maybe more appropriately, do I have an ouch? Because ouch is sometimes what we, what we say, that's what's been happening. That's what's been happening. The days are short. Demons know that the days are short. It tells us in Jude, chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. Actually, there's only one chapter there. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode. I want to share with you who these demons are. They were angels. They did not keep their proper domain. They left their own abode. The abode being heaven. He has reserved an everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah 
and the cities around them in a similar manner to these having given themselves over to sexual morality, immorality, and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So we have it outlined very clearly of what is taking place and some of the reasons, just some of the reasons why. Let me share this with you real quickly. The reason for the fallen angels, the reason that we have fallen angels, it begins with someone who is able to beguile them. We are all aware of the Garden of Eden. We are all aware of the serpent who beguiled, who tricked, who coerced Eve and Adam to take what they were not supposed to take of the forbidden fruit. And because of it, here we are today with all that is wrong in the world and it all goes back to the garden. Well, the fallen angels have their type of garden, their type of Eden, but it was in heaven. Listen to this. It begins with, by the way, one named Lucifer. In Isaiah chapter 14, 12 through 15, it says, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star. See, Lucifer really comes from the word that we get day star. Bright shining. Bright shining. No one like him. He was made by God Almighty in a beautiful fashion. So it says, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But verse 15 says, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. And so in Isaiah, we read about this creature, Lucifer. Here's more about him. Ezekiel chapter 28. It says, you were anointed. Just think of the sadness. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. Only cherubs can be around the throne of God. Only cherubs can be around the person of God. They are not just creatures who bring forth praise. They are actually a guard, a guardian. Beautiful in nature, beautiful in sight, strong. And it says, you were anointed as a guardian cherub, for I so ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. 
You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud and an account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before the kings. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made fire come out from you, and it consumed you, and I reduced you to ashes on the ground in sight of all who are watching. All the nations who knew you are appalled at you. You have become come to a horrible end and will be no more. Part is fulfilled. Part is to be fulfilled in that prophetic word. Lucifer was the lead worshiper for the kingdom of heaven. His voice was like a choir. His hands were like tambourines. He was a one-man orchestra. Beautiful, unbelievable voice and presence and beauty. Leading the choirs. He had a lot of input into their lives. He had a lot of, uh, let's just put it this way, inroads, their respect, their envy maybe. Probably wasn't envy until he began to persuade them differently. And one day he would say, I will be like God. We've had dictators like that. Dictators, honestly, folks, who made it known that they're actually a god. In World War II, it was Hirohito, the emperor of Japan. At the very sound of his voice, the people would collapse on the ground they would have given their lives, many, many, many did. If the country would have been invaded, they would have all laid down their lives because they were laying down their lives for God. So many different ones in Babylonia, Nebuchadnezzar, he thought of himself as a god. The Roman rulers, the great Roman dynasty, the emperors were treated as God. So many different religions and cults have had their own God. We have someone right now who's running for the president of the United States who is Hindu. She is Hindu, and, and being Hindu means she would serve many, many gods. They're very polytheistic. I mean, they're very... Uh, they worship many, many gods, monotheistic. 
And so, I will be like God is what Satan said, is what Lucifer said. The word devil actually means slanderer. Satan is called a slanderer. He is called an accuser. Has he ever accused you? Yes, he has. How many would say, come on, how many would say he's accused you before? I will put in proof to my statement, this statement. Have you ever doubted that you were really saved? When you were really saved, I'm not talking about nominal saved, I'm talking about you really know you're saved, but then all of a sudden one day, you begin to hear these thoughts, and you know, well, you, you're not even a believer, you're not even a Christian. He will try to talk you out of your salvation because it's what he's always done. He needs to become God. He's a slanderer. He is an accuser. He's a tempter. He is called Bezalbub. He is called the evil one. He's called liar. He's called father of all lies. He is a murderer. He is a ruler of this world. He is called the God of this age, the angel of light, the adversary. He is called the roaring lion, the dragon, the old deceiver. Wow. And demons, again, know their mission. It's very simply stated. You're supposed to go out. You're supposed to steal, kill, and destroy. Now get to it. That's their mission. And by the way, when we talk about believers, demons are believers. They believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's why we read in James chapter 2, verse 19, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So it's not just enough to believe. We must back up our believing when someone says to you, well, I believe in God. Well, you may believe in God, but so do the very demons according to what my Bible has to tell me. But are you a follower? Have you opened up your life and said, Lord, I am yours? And I'm going to end with this little saying I heard a long time ago. Bunches of people, bunches of people will miss heaven by 18 inches. From here to here. They believe intellectually, but they don't believe from the heart. If you read Romans 10, 9, and 10, it makes a case for believing in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I end with this one thought. Know the mission. You've known it for a long time. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of Huber Heights, of Riverside, of Dayton, of Franklin, of Englewood, of Clayton, of Centerville, of Kettering. And it goes on and on. That's just us in here. It goes on and on and on. And to the uttermost parts of the earth. We've got all these cool missionaries that we're supporting.
who are out there doing what missionaries do, giving up their lives for the gospel. So today, that's how I end. Why are you fearful? You see, you don't have to be fearful. We've got a God who loves us. You don't have to be fearful. We have a God who has a plan for our lives. Get this. Anybody that loves you so much that he wants you to move in with him? Come on now. Okay, I'll ask parents here. You were formerly, what do you call it? Single nesters, empty nesters. Nothing's in the nest, I guess. And then those that used to be in the nest come back. Sometimes that takes some grace. God wants us to live with him. Knowing us as he does. I find that amazing. How many would say you have just a few traits that could probably improved upon? You know, like maybe taking a shower every day. You know, I don't know what it is. But God wants us to live with him. He has an eternity for us. Praise the Lord. Don't be fearful about this life. God is your rhema. God is your protection. Almighty God is your covering. He loves you so much, he's got a plan for you. Got a plan for you. And he's got a plan for all of us. I want you to agree with me this morning. Only can come from your heart. Our mission, the end of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, the last three verses, we need to grab a hold of it. These days are short. And there's a whole culture called fallen angels, spirits, demons, that have a mission. If you don't do your mission, they don't have any choice. They will be doing theirs. And we've got too many lost loved ones, people we know, that need Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you today for the mission that Jesus, you gave to your disciples and you gave to all disciples who would follow those disciples that we are to go into the highways and to the byways and compel them to come in. We are to go, O Lord, to all places with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, you know our lives, especially as Americans, that we have it so good in this country and that, Lord, it is so easy to forget the urgency of what's happening around us and so many other lives that if we were only to say, have you considered where you will spend eternity? Have you considered? And Lord, I thank you that you have given us power over the enemy. And today, O oh Lord, we have power over him, and we know that even though we have that power, we still need to be about the mission. 
Lord, help us with the mission. Well, our heads are bowed this morning, this time of prayer. If you are contemplating this message and how it applies to you, are you ready if Jesus was to come right now? Are you ready if he was to split that sky open and with that loud sound of the trumpet, that voice of the archangel would say, come up here and all the dead who are believers over the centuries and centuries would be caught up. And then those who are believers who are still alive and remain would follow them immediately as well to meet Jesus. Would that be you? Would that be your life? Is that what you're hoping for? Is that what you're looking towards? And if it is a no, if it's a not sure, then today I follow my own message and I encourage you, give your life to him. Before you walk out these doors, give your life to him. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. Not afraid, not embarrassed, just knowing that you're in need. If you're starving to death, and I was to say, I've got a sandwich here. Does anybody need it? And you're starving, you would raise your hand immediately. Well, this is a different type of food. This is for your soul. This is for your soul. Real quickly, if that's you this morning, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. Raise your hand if that's you. Hallelujah. Before we say amen, this day is over with, and we go about our way. One more time. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask you just this as you leave. Have you sensed any motivation within you in this last 45 minutes that you could say, I need to do a whole lot more? I need to be on the mission. I'll even be willing to be on point. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for everyone from front to back, side to side. May there be an urgency that is laid upon my brothers and sisters, young and old. I pray, Lord, an urgency to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you, O God, for this opportunity. And that's what it is. It's an opportunity. We love you. We thank you. We will not be fearful. We will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And everyone said amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for being here this morning. God bless you. We'll see you uh, Wednesday at service. <laughs>